Happy delicious Monday to you. This is Chef Marie from M Chef Burst of Flavors. And today, buckle up because we're going to have a great guest who's going to share with us tips, gifts, and beautiful recipes. So let's go for a ride. Happy Monday to you. This is Chef Marie from M Chef Burst of Flavors. And today, yes. we have a super special guest. He's my new co-host of the M Chef Project. His name is the fabulous Lee Cummings, the LEC one number one director, movie producer, and actor, and now a new partner in the business. I'm so happy to have you today. Thank I'm happy you to be here. Oh, Chef Marie, thank you so much for doing changing people's lives with food and the burst of flavors and. I'm super gracious and honored to be a part of everything we have going on right now. It's awesome, Lee. I have a lot of questions to ask you today, so people get to know you better. But before, I'd like to tell our people who are listening to this podcast that um, it's going to be a 25-minute interview today. And uh, right after, we're going to have a little recipes that we're going to share with you. And second term, we're going to have a funny anecdote that Mr. Lee is going to tell us because he's such a funny character. <laughs> and then the last and only, we're going to have a super nice quote so we can leave each other for a week. Think about this quote, digest uh, these wisdom of words. And uh, this is going to be the way. And we're starting. Buckle up. Let's do it. We start the interview with Mr. Lee Woo-hoo! in the house. So Lee, yes. tell us about your path, you know, because you decided to take on the path in the movie uh, production and uh, your love for the movie. So tell us where, where did it start? Uh, the passion for my filmmaking came, I say it came from my father, but cultivated by my mother. And what that means is that, uh, explain, uh, my dad was super into technology. And in the early 70s, I remember seeing a movie behind me by Scorsese called, it's a Korean poster of Taxi Driver. My dad would take me to the movies all the time. I remember seeing Star Wars and Presidio. My dad was a, was in the military. He was in the army and I was an army brat. And we lived, I moved from Germany to, and I'll kind of shorten this up because I talk a lot, but I moved from Germany to Presidio in the, I think that was probably around 73 when I moved to dating myself moved to Presidio. And, you know, my dad would just love to take me to movies all the time. So I remember seeing Star Wars, you know, mid seventies was 77 or something like that, you know, 78, it just came out, you know, but before that I would see all kinds of movies, like from Bruce Lee to Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver was late, didn't see that in the theater, but my dad was very vigilant about seeing movies. I mean, I don't know why and what it was, but he's like, we're going to go see a movie today. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, it's great. And so that kind of started early in the seventies. Um, later, my dad was always first in technology. And um, in the late 70s, my dad, we were like the first people on in our court in Roner Park, California, which I call the armpit of America. But hear me out. It's <laughs> nice. It was nice then. I don't know what it's like now. We've got a casino and stuff like that. But anyway, my dad was the first person on the court in 1979 to have a VHS, you know, uh, yeah, movie back machine. in the days. Right. Popular. <laughs> Very popular. And my dad was, I literally would tell my friends, like, man, we're watching Rocky right now at our house. And people were like, no Iconic. way. Like, it was brand new, right? I mean, like, 78, 79, you know, we were in first people to have a microwave. You know, my dad was always into technology. So he bought me 
this little VTR, the side little VTR with this little VHS tape with a side with a separate camera. So I started to shoot like many movies that have my brother, you know, doing crazy things and we I move here and do that and doing stop motion sort of stuff with uh you know normal motion it was a video camera of course it looked a lot like you're young and restless and you know all this 30 frames per second type stuff but you know i was always in search of that look you know and i knew there's something wrong uh, i thought there's something, something wrong, wrong. but it was really nothing it was not meaning according that. to your style your vision your yeah, eye yeah. <laughs> exactly it didn't look like movies and you know and when i learned later on um movies you know were shot at 24 frames per second you know, and, and video or stuff that was on television. A lot of it was done on video, which was 30 frames per second, you know, so super smooth. So our eye sees in this weird, it sees 24 frames per second. So that's why I was always, you know, always looking to feel that eye. So I've, you know, been for many years, you know, I have a theater background, um, you know, many theater background art, you know, minor and minor in Spanish at UC Davis which is weird because I'd love to go back and talk in my, my old stomping grounds at UC Davis. But I have a theater background in directing and in acting. And I never acting really too. Can yes. you believe it? So you really wanted to do both, huh? Being in behind the camera, but also being able to to show your true expression. Yeah. In front of I did. Camera. I did. It was weird. It was interesting. I mean, my I did a lot of advanced acting classes and I fell into kind of wanting to be in front of the camera because I I was literally at in my hometown, Santa Rosa, and was... Um, in California. Yeah, in California. And I, I, there was a documentary being done for Ford. And literally, like, I was just... My friend said, you know, they're doing a documentary in Santa Rosa at Ford. You want to go? I'm like, okay. So I was sitting there, and I remember this old guy, when I was watching the commercial, being, it wasn't a commercial, it was a documentary. The old guy was supposed to take the car out and pet this kid on the hat on a helmet and put him on a bike and send him off. And he couldn't take the bike out because he was like 80 years old. Like, we need somebody different. We need some different color or something like that. And I was just hanging with the director and the guy's like, what about that guy right there? And they pointed to me. And <laughs> I was like, he said, can you do that? I'm like, yeah. Make it differently. It. Yeah. You know, I can do it just like he did. Maybe do a little bit better. I'm a little bit stronger than he is. I was like 20 something years old, maybe 23. And, and um, yeah, lo and behold, I ended up being in, what was a national commercial for Ford, which I thought was, a, it was supposed to be a documentary. And I was tap hardly into um, my screen actors getting like made like a quarter of a million dollars. But the bigger point was other than the money, which was really cool, was that I got my screen actors go card and then I started acting in movies. Now I got a funny story. I won't tell the story now, but I have an anecdotal story about. You got to keep Connery. it till the end. I'll keep you it to the end. keep the listeners on board. You know? I'll keep it to the end. Very funny story. But yeah, I kind of, you know, fell into it that way, and, and a lot of things happened. I actually interned out in Los Angeles when I was in college for Spike Lee, but, you know, it wasn't really, it was for his Robbie Reed and Associates, which was Robbie Reed Humes now, which was, she was the black casting director, premier black casting director in LA at the time, and anything that was being done from John Singleton to Spike Lee, she did. So I actually worked for her, and Tony Lee, who did a show called The Rock with Charles S. Dutton, which is on television was kind of like my mentor at the moment. So, you know, you are um, very well surrounded, but you yeah. actually did two of your own two uh, movie productions, horror movie. Why did you choose horror? I didn't choose it. I always say it chose me. Um, I oh. have been friends with a gentleman by the name of uh, Mitchell Artieri, who's with Arama Filmworks, but he's a big, you know, horror guy. 
and he's been doing horror for years and he's had some great success. Uh, a couple of movies from, you know, one, I, I, well, he's done a bunch, but he did two that was, one was with Sony and one was with Lionsgate. And I want to say the one that was with Lionsgate was, I just saw the title of the other day. Um, I don't know if I can, he did April Fool's Day um, and Scout, that's in the newest movie that we both just did. We just co-directed a new film. That should be out. Uh, Watch out, guys. You gotta go watch it. It's very scary. It's very awesome. I mean, it's a thriller. Um, you know, Mitch is a is a master, and we have a really another master of the craft is Jeff Allen, who is our producer, along with Cheryl Starlakis. But Jeff did Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Jessica Biel, and that's like kind of his claim to fame. But he's got a lot of other great. Congratulations! Films. It's an awesome movie. Yeah, and you've seen parts of it and stuff like that. But it should be released hopefully. By November to, I would say, iTunes and uh, Showtime or HBO. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And, and enjoying that. But I, but before that, you know, I had a mentor before any of that stuff, uh, Eric Blakeney, who was like heaven sent. He's like a brother to me. He was the original executive producer, EP, and head writer for 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp. He founded Johnny Depp. So I lived in Barcelona. With one of the reasons why I'm on our show, I talk about Barcelona so much because it was absolutely amazing and uh eric is a big part of my success you know he's a brother to me um i can always go to him taught me a lot of my writing chops even though i haven't written in a long time uh jamal jennings a great friend that i went to college with he writes most of the scripts that that i've been doing he wrote uh with mitch another writer uh, starlight and he's actually been writing a new movie that i'm trying to get off the, the uh off the table is uh, obey the walrus and open house by the way lee yeah so um, it's been a whirlwind, but to concentrate and be in that world, in a world where people don't appreciate, not all the time, your creativity. It's hard because with movie making, if you don't have something, everyone's always, because it can, it can live and die inside your brain. And with creative people like myself, uh, there's a lot of projects that just uh, kind of end up just being like that. They're inside my head and they don't go anywhere. But there's, there's a method to the madness. You know, you're, you're thinking and visualizing all the time, and it's not easy to be with someone like myself. Uh, in a relationship, I can tell you that, you know, mm-hmm. hence my, my divorce and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm, I'm much better for it. I've learned a lot from that. And uh, I would never have anyone undergo, you know, that journey with me because it's my personal journey, you know, at the moment. And it's been, it's been eye opening, you know, being a creative. Um, and if there's a lot of creative that are listening to this, you know, listen to your insights, listen to the passion, listen to your intuition, which we don't do uh, typically. And that's, that's something that, that is just given to us that we avoid sometimes. And I know you're part of your story, you know, and part of your journey is intuition is being intuitive. And we all are at some point. I'm a lot, I'm probably a lot more intuitive than most, you know, and you are very intuitive, but listening to intuition is very, very important, especially for someone who's creative. Actually, anyone in this world needs to pay attention to their, to their intuition, you know, so. You are approaching this subject and I'd like to cover it today because you know, you are part of the LA scene. The showbiz is a such a hard platform. We all know that very few are succeeding. I have two questions. Yes. First of all, how do you define success? Mm. How do I define success? You know, I used to, when I was 25, to feel like my success was designed and uh, I would, would have quoted myself by saying, my old self saying, you know, success is about how much money I have in my my hands, you know, whatever I can hold and attain before I die is a success of, you know, who I am. But now I'm paying more attention to the internal, which is feeding me as opposed to the external. I mean, it's, it is a tough gig to 
to live by that and to be that. My feeling right now and my soul that I know is totally true is that my success is, is, is by my word, you know, who I am, where I am, how do I feel right now, or my thoughts, my friend. Because happiness, as a, a great friend taught me, is fleeting, meaning that happiness can be designed by just disappears, dissipates, you know, be, between mm-hmm. a, a ward here or a car there or a relationship here. But being at peace, that is what I desire. You know, my success is designed by how I feel and am I peaceful? You know, my peace is so much more important than what the external world can give me. And I'm learning that being 48 um, and feeling like I'm 32. Because I relate to this, but I am sure that there's a lot of listeners who are relating to what you are saying. And you have been going through a a difficult challenge, uh, as we can say, you know, it's such a personal experience in the past two years. How did you come up from it so strong? What is your ritual? Do you have a ritual or do you have things that you are doing into your life every day to keep yourself uptight, you know, and with this great balance because you are standing strongly? Thank you. You know, what it is, is that I think every man and every woman is a tribe. And I think between that tribe, and what I mean by that is a family of people that can vouch for you when you can't vouch for yourself. So when you're standing, you're, you're, sometimes you're not. You're being held up by friends. You know, um, when I was going through my divorce, literally, you know, sleeping on the floor of my office, you know, and when I didn't have hope for myself, I had a few friends that made calls to me and made sure. And I want to tell people out there, if you have, if you're in a place where you don't feel good about yourself or, you know, you need to find, you can't isolate yourself. Isolation is the last place that you want to be. You can't isolate yourself because what ends up happening is that there is a, a depression that you go through and, and many people do. And I can't tell you that I was more depressed than other people, but we all, um, as my friend Maurice, who's a, you know, was a clinical therapist would talk about, we all have trauma and my trauma might not be the same as yours, but it's still recognized as trauma. You know, uh, some people see rich people as not having trauma, but no, it's not. Maybe their dad wasn't there. My dad went to every basketball game. You know, um, I had a great, my mom is, you know, absolutely phenomenal, you know, woman. And I had people that love me. So when you have a tribe of people that love you, when you can't love yourself, that's what you stand on. You're being propped up by them because, you know, you have to. So I looked for hope in any way I could find it to grab myself. And those calls from Darren, you know, from Maurice, you know, to you know, Gianni Mesmer, who, who allowed me to stand on their shoulders or to be propped up by them when I didn't want to prop myself up. That's not by design by me. That's designed by the universe. That's designed by God. That's designed by you not being able to stand for yourself and the universe going, now you can listen. You know, and the great, I love this, this line, you know, in Django, you know, and the more I can appreciate some of uh, the writings and directing from, uh, just did, but anyway, Django, it is, uh, I forget what the filmmaker's name is for whatever reason, because I'm on camera, but you know, the line that, that someone says that he says, you uh, know, yes, thank you. Thank you. Tarantino says, or this wasn't Tarantino, but the line is that he wrote was, you know, you've got my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Mm-hmm. And when everything's taken away from you, 
It's so strong. You got it is. You got you know, my like, curiosity now. Bring yeah. it on. Now, okay. So, and you sometimes with everything around you, like if I had success, the success that I believe that you know having a movie that's out and to me that's you know realizing my passion. If that would have happened too early, you know, and not at the right exact times, I wouldn't have been able to listen, you know. And I, I'm here only because of my failures. Those failures are are my successes, you know. And I'm realizing that. Now, as a man, you know, like everything that happened wrong in my relationship was my fault, you know, meaning that I will own 50% of my relationship to myself or 100% of my relationship to myself and 50% of my relationship with, with my ex-wife. And she doesn't know that, you know, I mean, and that's, that's not her fault. And maybe she didn't have the tools to, and neither did I. I mean, like I didn't have those tools to treat her maybe the way she thought that she needed to be treated, you know? So, and that's hard for me to say because that's, but that's owning my stuff, you know, um, and owning my my pitfalls and my downfalls as a man and being in a relationship that I shouldn't probably have been in necessarily, but we both love each other, you know, and I can sit here and say that now, but before I was a little bit angry, you know, for whatever reason. But like I said, designed by the universe, the universe people, you know, I'm talking to you, the universe loves you and the universe God has an absolute plan for you, but you just have to allow it to happen. You can't swim against the stream. You know, you got to let it flow. As you always say, Chef Marie, you got to let it flow, you know? And when you're not swimming into stream and you decide to stop talking and listen, something in your life amazing happens. But you got to be willing to hear that. You got to be willing to go through that process of cocooning, the process of dying of old self to renew like the phoenix and to be reborn. And it's something completely different because this your show takes time. Yeah. You gotta be very patient. Yeah, yeah. And the main yeah. subject, uh, main core of this podcast is really uniting inner work, fitness, yes, and nutrition, better eating. So you, when you went through that big challenge of your life in the past two years, you really had to cover all these three main cores, right? Yeah, I'd say. Well, I four. We talk about it in, on our show, and that's not a podcast yet, but it will be. But you know, Rip Like Jesus, you know, we have a, we've been selling shirts, but what we're really selling is this. Jesus is the epitome of wholeness. Now, regardless if you're Christian-based or whatever that is, you know, Jesus is one of the most recognizable people in the history of everything. So we talk about four things, four cores. It's like a table. And those four legs of the table are physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And if one of those are wobbling or you don't have one of those, like I had no emotional stability at all. You know, I couldn't stand for myself. I had no physical. I literally had 166 over 101 as a blood pressure, literally like hypertension, you know, and I changed that, that element of myself by eating better. I said, universe, God, if you can take me out of this where I'm at, you know, let me have a, a place to live, you know, people that love me. I promise to take care of this, you know? I asked for that, you know, and, and what happened, I, you've met my 75 year old roommate, you know, I mean, they're, they're wonderful people. The energy is great in that house. And I cook every day for myself. I lost 35 pounds. And you know, it and brought I, even a challenge and a better way for them to eat healthier yes. because them too, they, they had they, their own health struggles. And yeah. so it's a domino effect. It is. When we are feeling good about it, we when we work on ourselves, mm-hmm. we better impact positively people around us. Yeah. And you know what's really great and successful is that many times I think when people like, say, for instance, someone's like what I don't even like using the term, a born-again Christian. 
The first thing I'm going to do is tell you how bad you are and what you're doing wrong and how Jesus can save you. Well, I think, you know, I had a bit of that, what I call born again, when you start to lose weight and like, look at me kind of deal. Like, look, if it's easy for me, it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like you said before, if it's born inside people, it's infectious because positive energy is infectious. So now I'm cooking and they're like, what are you doing? So they're inquisitive about their own learning. And, you know, I've had every job and I'm not, it's not a bragging thing. I've just haven't found myself, but I've had every job under the sun. I was a math teacher at, at one of the, probably the most prestigious schools in America where Joe Montana, you know, of the 49ers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And, you know, I'm not name dropping. It's just that the school costs $35,000 a year for each child to go there. And I taught math there, you know, and I had these kids who people don't think they have problems, but they do. And I had these children who were, were awesome, amazing kids. But what I learned about being there was that um, my point about the story was that people of all walks of life, when you can become infectious and children show you what you are, they're mirrored what you are, they can assist in their own learning. And when I taught math, it was one of the hardest things or easiest things to teach because when I made things fun in an environment and not being too preachy, they started assisting saying, hey, Mr. Cummings, it's, you know, 3.14, you know, pi is not an, it's an infinite number. And they started inquisiting about, you know, quantum physics, you know, which we should be talking about, which is also a great thing, which is Joe Dispenza and the breaking the habit of being you. I mean, quantum physics is a part of life. It is. It is one. I mean, like people, if you haven't read anything, please go get the book by Joe Dispenza about quantum physics. It's called breaking the habit of being you, you know, so being you. Phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. He also wrote something called What the Bleep Do You Know, which a lot of people know in the era of The Secret, but you got to read this book. It's, it's super impactful. Thank you impactful. so much, Lee, for the interview today. People, they get to know you better and people, they can follow you where? What's your, what's your name on Instagram? My name on Instagram is Lee the Movie Director. So, and that's also LeeTheMovieDirector.com. We can, we can follow your work there, everything. Yeah. Post I mean, life. Yes. Life, love, fitness. I mean, like, you know, and, and more, you know, learning from you, like more meditative sort of, we're going to do some meditations probably later, you know, after this or whatever, potentially, but it's just wonderful. Um, you know, learning a lot about myself these days. And um, one thing I'm learning is that people have a lot to offer. And uh, I'm so appreciative of your energy and you sharing this show and sharing the energy of him, Chef that I can help share as well. Burst of flavor. Exactly. And as your, your new thing is, you know, I'm telling everybody, when she says, honey, baby, you look up. It's really, really good. <laughs> they don't know that yet, but they will. There's a second part of the show and it's about recipes. And okay. we are in this together, this M Chef Burst of Flavors. We talk about spices. We want to spice it up. We want to torch, torch, everything tofu veggies all this but you your thing as for recipes is the air fryer oh my gosh <laughs> you like to talk to us about it because it really changed the way you are eating and you you really you lost how many pounds again i lost 35 pounds i was i was about 240 i'm about well my god about 240 maybe 30 pounds so uh, 240 i'm about 210 now 211 i float between sometimes eating cake and cookies and Things that we have to help us, you know, live. I'm just kidding. But I mean, like the best stuff. Carbs and love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to love carbs a little bit sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. It's yeah, a treat, I mean, though. 
But you very- can treat yourself otherwise. And talk to yeah. us about that air fryer thing that just changed your whole way of eating and losing I, weight. Yeah, I, you know, one thing I appreciate, I'm very appreciative about your spices, you know, and this is, it goes hand in hand. Like I bought an air fryer and I don't deem myself as a cook, but, you know, I learned how to cook certain things pretty good. I eat a lot of chicken, a lot of fish, and I didn't have, I didn't actually eat a lot of vegetables, you know, before. And I was like, uh, vegetables and that. But now it's like putting spinach into my mouth and broccoli is so good. I mean, I know people out there, if you don't like vegetables, and I was never a vegetable person, because you can ask my mom if she was ever going to be in this show. She'd be like, he ate vegetables. I mean, like, it was absolutely so bad. But I, with the air fryer, I allowed myself with your spices. And one of San Antonio's, so delicious, Louisiana as well. But with the San Antonio, I make these like tacos. And the great thing about the air fryer is that it just- Tacos, please. <laughs> I know. I'm, I live in California, so like, come on, man. Tacos, it's like, it is, but you can make your own. So avocado, I put the dark meat chicken inside of there and I could do the other breast meat too, but I just like dark meat. A little bit higher in fat, but this okay. But I literally would just put your seasonings on there, like a rub, because it's a rub. You know, Louisiana or I use a San Antonio kind of that Tex-Mex, pop it in there for 15 minutes. You guys, the air fryer, it literally takes all of like, it's still juicy, but it takes all the bad stuff and kind of floats down to the bottom and it just air fries in 15 minutes. I'm literally looking, just licking my chops going, this is amazing. And I'm like getting great meals with like making my own fries with, with sweet potatoes. They're not fried because there's no oil in them, but they still feel very crispy. And your body just, it just feels good. So I've been <laughs> doing a lot of that. And hopefully at one point we'll go to China or somewhere and get you your face and maybe my face on the back with the air fryer. Because, like this you know, week. I've got, absolutely, we have to do something like that. Um, making some, you know, great strides. And I think people, the reason why I mentioned the air fryer is because sometimes when you say you don't have enough time, you go eat some fast food, you always have time to throw something inside of the air fryer. You could turn throw a turkey burger in there, throw some avocado and a nice sliced tomato that's from Oliver's. We had like kind of Oliver's or sprouts as we learned and, you know, and getting 91% fat free, you know, turkey meat. And you can make your own, these spices. This is, there's so much flavor that now you, with your spices meeting you, I'm just, just, there's no reason not to eat well. Stars of the recipes. I'm spices. telling you. Yep. Spices are the way to go. So I'm really enjoying that and really enjoying the air fryer. And my roommates now bought, I mean, I bought a little one that was like a 2.5 liter or whatever it was. She ended up buying a four, I mean, they're cooking everything. These people now <laughs> who ate out every single day. I Domino so effect again, but positive yes. impact. And they're eating now, Liz is eating, you know, she's eating salads. She's eating chicken. They're making their own chicken now. They're putting the seasoning on. They feel really good about their, I mean, like you're talking about, you know, non-allergen, you know, uh, gluten-free and sodium-free, right? Or, or sodium-free as well, or I don't know if that's true or not, but I know it's organic, you know, I've seen the packaging, but it's just absolutely amazing. So as opposed to putting these fillers in these, oh. and I don't want to think bad about McCormick, but like, you know, they're putting these things and seasonings with, with all the sodium. It's like, and I had to watch sodium for my high blood pressure. So it's like, you can have great meals now and it can be very easy within 15, 20 minutes. And we have some things coming on some of our shows that's going to help you guys out there in the world. But I feel passionate about giving you the, yeah, it's coming. To I be mean, continued. Like, oh my gosh, to be continued. We're going to the third part of the okay. podcast and it's going to be your best part, I believe, because Lee, I'd like you to share with us one of the funniest 
anecdote that you would like to talk about because you're such a funny character. You have this great bubbly personality. Do you have one that just come up now live from your mind? Uh, like one anecdotal story from Like me. a funny one. Yeah, make me that I mean, time. I don't know if this is that funny, but I'll just say it anyway because I mean, like, I could, it's not very, very when I got my, my Screen Actors Guild card and um, I did like my first real, like, I mean, the Ford commercial was a real thing, but I didn't know it was going to be real. But I was hired by, I was actually in The Rock with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. And I think Michael Bay, my, you know, Michael Bay directed it and he was down there. I'm literally on set and I see a larger version of Sean Connery, you know, and it was a stunt guy, but he's a, a buffed up Sean Connery. So that's not the funny part. But it is very funny because you see him roll down the stairs and then Sean Connery will do, you know, the stuntman will roll down the stairs and then, you know, he'll get up or whatever. So the cool part is that I'm actually in the movie. If I ever get famous, they'll look through things. Oh, he was. I was like a bellhop in Sean, not Sean Connery, but um, Coppola, Nicol, well, not Nicholas Coppola, but Nicholas Cage comes up to me. He's a Coppola. He comes up to me and says, FBI agent, where's him all? Where I'm pointing like that. He's got this crazy bellhop, you know, hat on my head. That's not the funny part. When I was waiting for the scene, it was like two o'clock in the morning. We're down in the Fairmont Hotel in uh, San Francisco. No lie. And I'm literally sitting on kind of like this, you know, I'm, I'm a lot lower and I'm reading a book, you know, waiting because, you, you know, Hollywood's all about hurry up and wait. So I'm waiting for the scene for me to be in with, you know, Nick Cage. And I was really sad because they already came by and says, we need some more FBI agents. Uh, and I was like, and I was kind of, you know, ripped up, and, you know, I was ripped, you know, but. And the guy's like, dude, sorry, you're too short. Because Nick Cage's like 6'3". And same with Sean Connery. They're both tall people. But most actors, like, then they're on Pacino. They're like my height, like 5'9". You know, they're, they're all short. You know, these guys are like tall. It's like, sorry, you can't be an FBI agent with these guys because they wouldn't hire you. You look too small. So you look ripped, though, but you're too small. So anyway, that's the funny part. I'm reading my book, and Sean Connery's sitting in, he's, he's standing in front of me. And it was weird. I'm like, who the hell is his, because his, his ass is in my face. Like, it's literally like this big ass and I'm reading my book and I'm down low, you know, and I, and I look up and I go, Oh, it's Sean Connery. And I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Connery, uh, your butt's in my face. Oh, sorry. You know, like, I know it's not that funny, but to me it was funny at the time, stuff like that. Cause it's a great story to tell about Sean Connery, but literally <laughs> his ass was in my face, you know? So in a great, great, awesome, awesome guy to see that. Oh, yeah. See working at that level. Yeah. So I know it's not funny. I mean, you know, but <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, the whole thing with Sean Connery. But I mean, literally, I just, after that day, you know, because he talks so crazy, he's like, reach me, Nicholas Cage, for the wall. I mean, he just has that sound, you know, like it's Sean Connery. So anyway, These that's are my. These events, you know. It's only you can go through this, you know. Only you can live the, these special moments. Thank I mean, that, yeah. us, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the last part of the show is a very quick and, and nice quote of wisdom that uh, we would like the, you and I to take the time to share. It has been sponsored by Woman on Fire. Guys, go check it out. Can you talk a bit uh, about Woman on Fire because uh, they are a great partner? Yes. So Woman on Fire by Dana Bryant. I've been working on this project. A superstar, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Dana Bryant. Superstar. She will, she is definitely a lioness and she will be, we will hear a lot about her and a bit of the work that she's done. Dana, his history and her trajectory has been very interesting. She was a woman on fire and has been for many years, but I think God had a definitive plan for her. She literally was 
robbing banks. The FBI was after her. And I know guys just go to DanaBryant.com or look up the Dana Bryant on, at her on Instagram, you know, find out more about her story. And I'm hoping, I know she's going to allow me to do her story and do her movie because I really want to tell her story. But literally, Woman on Fire is kind of the, it's what we call almost like a plyometric measured increase of becoming the woman that you want to be through a scientific approach. Like there's a definitive way on how to approach that. And there's a lot of coaches out here that are trying to do self-help type stuff, but they're not the real deal. Dana has been in prison. She has not only lived it, she is it. She is woman on fire. And women need a tribe. And I've been here at Crossing the Jordan for maybe about uh, maybe about six or seven months now. And I understand the work. Dana started and her husband started Crossing the Jordan, which leads into Woman on Fire with nothing. Literally, they had started at their house by getting clothes and things for other people that needed things. They happen to be women. And yeah, they're located they, in Santa Rosa. It's local. Santa Rosa, California, yes. And they have nine stores and a few boutiques. And they actually get clothes and things from other people that don't have unwanted goods and they can make money on those things. But they, most of the time they used to give it for free. Some of the women here that were actually here that were, have their stories from domestic violence to prostitution, to drug abuse, whatever, they would actually try to steal from Dana and Dana knew they were stealing and said, no, no, you can have this. She is here I mean, there for people. Yeah. And Dana and Michael had no money at this time. We're talking about, they started this out of like, I think Michael says out of $15 when they bought their first little items or whatever it was, and they ended up giving those stuff away for free, you know? So these people have, you know, there's a lot of stuff that to be said. Check them out, guys. Woman on fire. But yeah, woman on fire. So the quote for today that we would like to share with you, it's from the wonderful and the strong Nelson Mandela. And it says, it always seems impossible until it's done. Beautiful. That's the quote for today. And thank you so much for your time, Lee. It has thank been you. a privilege to share personal journey with you today. Thank you so much. Looking forward for the third episode of Emship Versa Flavors in two yes. weeks. <laughs> What's going to happen in two weeks? What's going to happen in two weeks? Well, I don't know. I mean, I... Well, I know no, going. you're going to interview me. Oh, that's right. Well, and also we're interviewing... Women Did you forget, well. Lee? <laughs> no, I did not. No, they're going to, no, I didn't forget. I just, there's a lot happening right now. You have to admit that, Chef Marie. <laughs> yes, it's happening. Thank you so much. Take care. Is there a last thing that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. You, you could go on, on and on. <laughs> I just say, I'll say one thing. I'll just say one thing. If you are in a place of despair and depressed and you're reaching for something, reach for someone who has hope. Even if it's just a tiny bit. Because that's going to take you out from wherever you are, just a little bit further out of that. And always try to look at your life outside of yourself. Be a watcher of yourself and a watcher of your thoughts. And be kind to yourself because it's a long journey. It really is. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Make up. Bye. Have a nice day. You too. Happy Monday, guys. Happy. Yes. To all. And let's connect to our joy. That's the work in work. Peace. Peace.